Welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Elizabeth, who is a licensed acupuncturist that focuses on the four pillars of Chinese medicine, acupuncture, manual therapy like cupping and massage, herbal medicine, and meditative modalities such as Kijong to treat emotional imbalances. She specializes in treating women's health, allergies, cancer, anxiety, and more. She's also the owner of Hands-On Acupuncture in Long Island, New York. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am excited as well. Like we were chatting about before I hit record. Um, well, one thing I've never had anyone like yourself with your specialties on the show, so that's exciting. And just personally, I, I really know very little about Chinese medicine other than the fact that it seems to do wonders from the, my circle of friends and, and people that I know that have experimented with it. So I just, I'm excited for this. I'm excited that, and I'm sure you are with this as well, that kind of East meets, eats, meets West is evolving quite fast or being accepted more and more these days, which is really nice to see because there's just so much awesome out there in terms of different approaches to health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of my mission is mainstreaming Eastern medicine and bridging that gap between Eastern and Western medicine, because I believe that if we have knowledge of both aspects, um, we can live in a, a greater in a greater world and we can have the tools to really decide on which moda, which which medicine we want to go or even yeah. complement each other. Totally. Well, okay. Before I normally start to show with the with the same question, I kind of led you into that one though. But so let's <laughs> I'll back it up quickly with just the the main question, which is before we get into your work, who are you? You know, what defines you as a lovely human on this planet? Sure. Um, well, I am a mother. I am a entrepreneur, a acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a healer, um, a mentor. I um, really like to live this, live on this earth and do the best that I can to serve others. Um, you know, I feel and I have learned that the more that you do for others, it actually um, will elevate you and bring you back to your life's purpose <laughs> in what yeah. you're meant to be doing here. So I don't know. I'm a lot of those, a lot of things. Um, sure. So wear many hats. <laughs> Yeah, and imagine always evolving, right? Um, always evolving, yes. I I can only imagine you're you're probably weren't born um, with all of these views and on life and whatnot, and in you know living your purpose and helping others and whatnot. So I'm just curious, like when did it all start for you, or when did things start to come into focus for your your work? That that clearly, like even in our first conversation, I can feel is is so you. I mean, you can feel that you're doing the right stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think it, it, it's a lot of reflecting back. I mean, I started to become an acupuncture. Each day you're evolving, like you had said, and, you know, there's really no definitive, like, day, like, okay, this is me now. Um, but sure. <laughs> um, but, like, just when you take some time to reflect back, like, and you realize, like, wow, this path that I've been on, like, I've I was meant to do those things. So, you know, um, each, each experience that I've had in my life is, is 
brings me to who I am today. And without even realizing it, without reflecting, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known. So I guess I became a Chinese medicine practitioner um, a little over seven years ago. Um, but what led me to become that is I was a martial artist in my teens, and I just was really interested in, in the Asian culture. Um, and it kind of like, you know, it's just interesting how like little pieces bring you to another, another aspect of your life and then brings you to another aspect and it just, it like branches out. And, um, so, you know, I was a martial artist. I actually have my black belt in Taekwondo and that's really what interested me in the Asian culture. I, um, was getting injured frequently, um, because I was, a Olympic, I was not Olympic, but I was, uh, doing sparring. I was a, a New York state gold medalist doing sparring and, okay. um, I had tried acupuncture and it, you know, it really helped me a lot, um, just, you know, for injuries. And I decided that I just love the medicine and, um, I didn't go into it right away. Uh, my parents didn't th- feel that it was a, a real degree for me to go into it. Um, so I decided to go to community college first and then and study business and then you know if I hadn't studied business I wouldn't have understood how to run my own practice so it's just layers mm. of things you know I feel like I have lots of different stories I could tell but but basically what brought me to what I'm doing now is um, my love for Asian culture my love for helping people my ability and want to think outside the box um, connecting others, uh, you know, so, and, you know, from being a martial artist, I decided after community college to go into acupuncture school. And from acupuncture school, I studied herbal medicine as well as um, massage therapy. And I learned that, you know, acupuncture and Chinese medicine is not just great for pain, but also great for the mental, emotional aspects of, um, you know, treating the mind with um, helping your body to heal itself with releasing certain uh, neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. And um, Mm. so, you know, I, and I personally have story, you know, I personally have suffered from anxiety and depression. And um, that was another layer of how I love Chinese medicine. And, um, you know, I, I continue to get, uh, you know, help outside and, with therapy. And I learned that I really, I started to focus a lot on treating people with mental, emotional stress. And, um, from there decided to do other modalities. Um, I have a, I, there's a modality that I do called NET it's neuro emotional technique. And okay. basically it, um, helps to identify trauma that have ha- that's, that, you, that has happened in your life. And there are emotion, there are emotions behind the trauma, and they relate to um, the Chinese medicine meridians. So, um, you know, it just kind of blossomed from there. And, you know, speaking of, you know, mental fitness, um, you know, that I really gained a love for Chinese medicine because of the aspect of treating the emotions where I feel that um, Western medicine kind of carp- compartmentalize a lot of things. But in, in Chinese medicine, we look at the bigger picture and we see that like emotions play a huge role in in our health and how we are living in society. Um, sure. What what is it like? I wanted to ask you about that. Like in the sense of when you see someone for the first time, 
uh, just because so many are so many of us are used to the the Western medical system. It's like, what are some of the big differences, I guess, in the approach? Um. Well, it depends on, I guess, you mean like versus going to like a physician versus going to a Chinese medicine practitioner? Like what are the differences? Yeah. Well, and in, in your practice as well, I mean, you know, Western medicine, it's pretty, it's pretty standard these days, right? Go see your family physician. Uh, usually you prescribe something. If not, you're referred off to a specialist and then you're in the system and it kind of just goes around and around essentially. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess the difference is, you know, when you come in as a patient, we're looking at your, you know, we're asking you a lot of questions, whereas a physician maybe doesn't spend as much time, I think, um, maybe the first session, but constantly we're looking at our patient's tongue, feeling the pulse that all means something within our, within the practice and how we diagnose. So, um, a big difference is we're looking at the whole body, your emotions, your lifestyle. Um, you know, we don't believe in coincidences. There's usually a cause and effect to things. So as a practitioner, we're trying to find the root cause of why you are that way. Um, mm. Rarely are we giving any medications. We do prescribe herbs, but typically that's after getting to know you for a little bit. And and the idea is that we want to get it so that your body is healing itself. Like we don't want you to have to depend on us as practitioners. Sure. We want to give you the empowerment and, and um, to be able to learn about your body from this point of view so that you can prevent disease from occurring. So I guess a big difference between me and a physician is that we are trying to first number one, correct what's going on and then give you tools and how to address the imbalance from the root. Um, so this way you're not stuck in, like you said, the system that you have actual tools to, to get better um, and allowing your, your body to heal itself. So yeah, so as a practitioner, yeah. we are just addressing the bigger picture of the body, um, especially through the emotional component. I love it. Do you, I mean, I imagine that Obviously, it's probably specific per use case and per patient. But is this is the timeline typically longer? Just I I am like the reason I'm asking that is if you're 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 trying to get to the root cause, like that could be years worth of unpacking of certain whatever it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I get a lot of people that come and you know for pain or um, you know emotional things. And I asked them how long they've had it or how long they've been experiencing these symptoms. And they're like, you know, years. So um, if you're trying to create your bot, make your body in alignment. So essentially what we're doing is trying to make your body in alignment um, so that everything's balanced. So everything is flowing, your chi is flowing throughout all the meridians. So if if it took you, if you were suffering from this condition for years, it's going to take at least half of that amount of time for your body to go back to its balanced state um, because it's mm. been, it's like, um, you know, having an injury, like you, you're not going to be fixed. Like it takes some time for your body to heal and um, like little increments of, of healing. So yeah, so typically um, with Western medicine, you know, Unfortunately, Eastern medicine is not a magic pill where you can just like sure. have one treatment and then you're feeling great. I mean, you can you can feel really great with one treatment, but um, where you where you're going to have the lasting effects is um, 
is uh, regular treatments. It's like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym and you work out once. You might feel really great working out, but are you going to like lose all that weight you wanted to? Are you going to have toned muscle? No, it's something that you have to continue to to maintain. And sure. um, so the same thing with acupuncture. It's it's something with regular treatments, acupuncture and Chinese medicine and um, maintenance is is a big key to preventing disease. How do you help people through, I mean, your gym analogy is spot on, but is there anything else that you use to help people through that process? Since it is going to be long um, and I'm sure fill of, or full of ups and downs, right? Yeah, of course. Well, what I do in my office, we actually give protocols. So, you know, I try to take a Western approach to Eastern medicine. So most people know the Western approach. So um, the way I say it to my patients is, you know, when you get an antibiotic, typically, I don't know, there's like a, a Z-pack, what is it? You take 10 days and the doctor tells you take it for 10 days. So let's mm-hmm. say you're taking an antibiotic, take it for 10 days. But if you miss a dose, you have to start over, right? Because you you're not allowing your body that time to to cultivate it. So the same so tip, so there's a protocol you need to take it one time a day for 10 days. So the same thing with acupuncture what I do with my patients is I will um assess them in the beginning and then come up with a protocol for them. Typically in the beginning it's treatments closer together. So a typical treatment protocol would be twice a week for 3 weeks. So we start them with that treatment first and at by the after the sixth treatment usually on the seventh visit we will do a reevaluation and we compare results we compare your body from where you started and where you are now and some of the indications that we know that acupuncture or chinese medicine is helping is that you'll see improved sleep you'll see better mood better digestion um, decreased pain Um, These are some of the quote unquote side effects of acupuncture. So we need to, so by the sixth treatment, sixth or seventh treatment, we know that's how we know this is actually helping you. Um, At that point, if there's no change, then, you know, we will, perhaps your body is not um, taking well to the Chinese medicine and we will most likely refer you out to a different practitioner um, to help you. Um, But typically, you know, if, if people are coming consecutively, and they, um, they'll, you'll see some sort of a change. Now, that doesn't mean they're totally fixed within those six sessions, but we want to see that there's changes. So that's really how we know that it's, that it's working. And, um, you know, we kind of take it like a few weeks at a time to say, you know, what our prognosis is and, um, you know, what the patient is willing to do as far as the length. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I like the ideas of, of protocols or just setting some ex- expectations up front, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping people motivated. And it's also nice that some of the side effects are actual uh, <laughs> physical things that people are experiencing. So that's always good. Right. Hey, just wanted to thank you for being here. And if you're enjoying the show, drop us some lovely stars wherever you're listening. They really make a huge difference. Also, after requests from you, I've put together some mental fitness training packages in collaboration with Thrive Medicine. I'll work directly with you to help implement and personalize practices and routines to ensure your mind is thriving. Shoot me a message directly or check out the link in the show notes. Thank you as always and back to the show.
Um, just with acupuncture in general, I mean, this is a super basic question, but like, what is it exactly other than uh, what we all stereotypical stereotypically think it is, you know, poking <laughs> needles into your body? <laughs> sure. Um, well, acupuncture is one part of a system of medicine. Like um, part of my okay. intro is the four pillars of Chinese medicine. So the four pillars, acupuncture is one of those pillars, um, manual therapy, cupping, uh, the the herbal medicine aspect of it, and then the meditative aspect of it. So um, acupuncture is one of those pillars. And the Chinese, so in Chinese medicine as a whole, the way that it works is um, there are, we need to look at the body to make sure it's balanced. So we, the Taiji symbol, the yin yang, you know, with the white yeah. and, the, and the black, most people know that. The idea is we want to bring your body at a state of balance. And um, the way that we, so when we're looking at your body, we're looking to see how well is your metabolism functioning. So the basis of your metabolism is qi. That's what we call qi in Chinese medicine. So ideally, what we're trying to do is make it so that your qi is flowing without any interruptions within your body. So, and what we're studying are channels or meridians. This is the pathway in which qi flows. So there are five elements in Chinese medicine. And each of these elements fit certain patterns. They fit organ systems. So we're looking at the organ systems and they each have pathways. These are, and on those pathways are little areas where qi will pool. This is where the acupuncture points are. I don't know if I lost you. I feel like I'm giving you a lot of information. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, as an acupuncturist, Um, we're first studying the patterns of each of the elements, like which organs are being affected, which um, chief, which meridians, which chi flow, how is the chi flow of all these meridians? And then once we identify where the imbalances are, like which meridians are being affected, because, you know, each of the meridians are actually connected together. So when one is off, it's most likely going to send other mer- other aspects of the body to be off balance as well. So sure. as practitioners, we're fi- trying to find what the root of it is. And then from there, we come up with um, specific acupuncture points to that have different functions and they are on those meridian points. So so acupuncture is where we take fine, like very f- hair thin needles. They're um, actually you can fit forty acupuncture needles in one syringe needle. So the syringe oh, needle wow. is what people are used to as far as shots. So you can fit forty acupuncture needles in one of those. So they're very tiny. Um, they get inserted in, within um, the body on certain points that are on the meridian imbalances. So as a practitioner, we have to understand where the imbalances are, and then we come up with a set of points that have certain functions to help move the energy or the chi around. So it's like breaking so, the dams. Around yeah, your exactly. Body, okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So our our body, those meridians are. Think of it like um, rivers flowing. In order to have vital energy, um, health, we want to have each of the rivers or the, or the meridians flowing in connection with each other. Sure. 
And then the way that we see sickness is a dam, like a blockage in one of those meridians, or sometimes parts of the, the, the river, you know, might be slower. This shows sickness as well. So essentially, the acupuncture needles, they help to release those blockages or bring um, energy into the area, um, improve circulation. Um, so the idea is that, and then when you get acupuncture, it's actually releasing, again, like I had spoken about, um, certain neurotransmitters in the brain. So it sends a signal to release, you know, serotonin, epinephrine, dopamine, all those things. Mm. Um so I do you feel, feel like that do you feel that long... right away? No, no, th this is good. <laughs> yeah. The, that neurochemical cocktail that releases, like is that is that something that you feel pretty close to the actual procedure or is it or is this a more long-lasting situation? I would say both. I mean, most people no matter what they're coming in for after one session, they definitely feel re more relaxed. Um yeah. so but it takes about, we usually have people between 20 minutes and 40 minutes where the, where the actual acupuncture needle stays in. So, so acupuncture, basically you're getting needles, uh, you know, on the subcutaneous level of, you know, they don't go in very far. Um, mm -hmm. As practitioners, we understand how, where the depth of the needle and the location and the direction the needle needs to go. And then once you're laying there with the needles in you, um, you are basically just, it's like allowing your body, it's like a sense of, of, med, of a meditation. Yeah. Um, sometimes people start to feel like flutters everywhere. Some people feel nothing, but I would say 95% of people say they feel more relaxed after getting acupuncture. So, um, okay. so it's usually- And then what's the homework when people leave? Is there- more is there more meditation or is it just kind of come back the next time and continue the the path so typically i you know i tell patients that it takes about 40 you know the treatment can take effect up to 48 hours after getting it okay, so okay. um and it releases a lot of the same chemicals as as working out so Typically, we say to work out before your treatment, so this way your body is not being taxed too much. Um, so if you work out after, it actually may um, change the results of the treatment. So Okay. <laughs> so. Footnote. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So um, you've have you had acupuncture before? I have not. My wife's had it once for, mm -hmm. um, for, for fertility. Mm. Um, and she, she definitely felt relaxed afterwards. I don't, I don't, she, she didn't, I don't think she continued on just in her treatment plan, but it's always something I've been interested in, especially when it comes to, I think you mentioned this when we first chatted, but just emotional blocks mm. and like things like that. So I'm always curious on, cause I feel like we all have stuff, right? It's just yeah. a lot of times we don't even sometimes we know what, what it is and other times uh, we don't, right? Like, so I'm always wondering, is there something like that I'm not aware of that might be causing X or that I could be, you know, I don't want to sound cliche with the flowing example, but I, I do, whether it's, whether it's Chinese medicine or not, like I do want to feel balanced and just in, in, in a, like a, not a flow state, mental state, but just flowing in general. Right. Right. So, 
Yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, I think the easiest way to identify whether or not you're balanced, you know, the thing is that we're never, we're never, ever completely balanced. There's always a flow of energy, you know, we're constantly moving, you know, just like the tides, like things change and evolve and like, if, if things weren't changing and evolving, we'd be dead, right? <laughs> so we, exactly. things are constantly, constant state of motion. So, um, you know, some days you feel good and sometimes you might feel off. And the best way to diagnose yourself is if you're imbalanced. Um, I think the easiest way is like understanding your emotions, like constantly reflecting on, because in Chinese medicine, emotions play a huge role in the physical. So, for instance, anger affects the liver um, and w- the liver channel. So the liver channel like runs mm. up the leg and up into the head. Typically, people with um, prolonged anger, um, you know, typically those are the people that have alcohol addictions. Um, they um, maybe have a shorter temper. Um, they d- start to develop headaches. Um, you know, another sure. emotion is uh, worry. So. A lot of people, you know, you get so worried that like your stomach hurts and, you know, that actually worry, too much worry and rumination, like overthinking things can affect the digestion. Um, Fear affects the kidneys. So right now, the state of the world, we're dealing with a lot of fear and security issues. And, you know, it's it's just interesting. So I get a lot of people with back pain, like low back um, pain, like where the kidneys are, that affects the kidneys and the low back and the knees, like fear um hmm. the other. so you know and and these emotions help us to identify like what's going on physically um let's see did i miss one sadness affects the lungs um a lot of people that have prolonged grief i've noticed it's just interesting to me you know that affects the chest um i've seen a lot of people that have experienced grief they end up developing breast cancer um you know it's just in the beginning of learning this in my career, it was like, well, how does that really happen? You know, how does, yeah, how does emotions really, <laughs> I don't understand emotions, but it's all connected. Like it's all, you really do store stress in different areas of the body. And then if you're not actually addressing those things, they, they become like blocked energy that just kind of stagnates in that area. And, um, you know, the, the best way to, to diagnose yourself is like really just like expressing, like tuning into yourself. And I think that's a big problem is that people aren't doing those things. You know, they're just kind of like going throughout their day, um, in a state of like fight or flight, like always just go, go, go. And I don't think, I don't know, especially I'm a New Yorker, like New Yorkers, like they don't always sit and reflect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Just always going. <laughs> so it's a balance of external and internal. Um, so that's the first thing is diagnosing yourself is like, just like, am I expressing when something's bothered me or am I writing in a journal? Am I, am I actually addressing the things that have happened to me? (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're definitely preaching to the, the the converted over here. I mean, I've I've definitely dedicated my life at this point to helping people slow down and, and, harness the power of, of reflection and it started with journaling practices and now it's just now it's just really trying to help redefine what journaling is because it's just mm-hmm. reflection whether it's pen the paper or an app or 
you know, you talking to someone, I mean, it's, it's usually a, a Q and a, whether that's with yourself or other people, right. And, and just right. thinking, but to your point, slowing down to just ask some of those questions, like, you know, would I, would I have reacted differently in this situation or how did I, how do I feel right now? Where do I feel that in my body? That's a big one. I feel like a lot of people don't and myself included, it's, it's taken the years, but you know, you can, oh yeah, I feel sad. But like, where do you actually feel that in your body? Right. We, we're so disconnected from our actual body. It's wild. I agree. It's like a, it's like a check-in and you know, Chinese medicine, like I remember the first time I got acupuncture and they were asking me like about my bowel movements and looking at my tongue and I'm like, what is this? This is weird, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, and you, and it's like, oh wow, I actually have to think like, how often do I go to the bathroom or how often this? It's like, that was like an indication that most people aren't like aware of their, of what they're doing within themselves and, and talking about it, checking in, like you said, talking about our journaling, checking in is like the first aspect of how you can move forward and change. And actually I was just thinking about that as an entrepreneur and somebody that has a team, um, you know, you give, you give yourself, you, there's always has to be like a reflective aspect. Otherwise you don't know what worked and what didn't. Right. So yeah, I was thinking of it as an entrepreneur, I give my team a task. And then if I, if I don't check in to see if they did that task, like it may not get done, you know, like it, or, you know, you yeah. want to trust that it gets done, but like that, that's where the learning happens. Like when they do make mistakes or the same thing within yourself, like how am I feeling at this moment? And, and how am I enjoying what I'm doing in life? Am I enjoying, like, did I handle that correctly? How would I have done it next time? <laughs> you know, same totally. thing, constantly checking in. So. Well, I think we're really good at, I think you nailed it. Like we're really good or we're, we're, we're definitely better on the business front of things like launching something or working on something and then setting in the metrics or, sitting back and looking at the data or, or whatever it is to evaluate or reflect on it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's slowly crossing over to, well, wait a second. If me as a person or as a human, if I'm, you know, bottled up or not processing what's happening, first of all, like you, you can't even, there's no way you're performing at, at an optimal level, whether that's work, personal mom, dad, sister, brother, friend, right. I mean, it, it starts with us, right? It starts with the, you know, putting your oxygen mask on first before helping others, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I also I always refer back to this this study that I that I heard of where they took, I think it was in Toronto. Do you guys have a like a ten a ten month year, like where? You, in Canada, I don't know. I know. No, we, no. we definitely have twelve. No, oh, 12 <laughs> okay. There was some country where they it feels like one of the northern, like the Nordics <laughs> or something like that, or Sweden or yeah. <laughs> they work like ten month years and they have like two months off. And yeah, they did some study on like people in the West, you know, like United States, and then also like I think some European country, and they gave them the same tasks and the same work. Um, and New Yorkers work, um, you know, 60 hour weeks and then no vacations or anything. And then people that are, and then the Europeans were working 10 months out of the year with two months off and they were able to actually accomplish more. Um, and the lesson with that is that you actually, everything is a balance, just like Chinese medicine. Like you have to have that 
aspect of rest, um, others for you to be the most productive. So you need to have that reflective yin instead of the yang, you know, and, and the yang of like action taking. So, um, yeah, so the study like really hit home with me, like, wow, like you, you have to take vacations in order to be the most productive, you know? So it was really interesting just because you're working so much doesn't always mean that you're efficient doing it. (laughs) It's, it's so true. I think it was one of the, one of the same countries out in that neck of the woods. Um, I want to say maybe I could be completely wrong, but something like a Denmark or something where they evaluated the school system and it was like something similar, same concept of like the kids go to school you know, less days, um, less hours in the day, and they come out, you, you know, in terms of testing and all of that, you know, on the top, for example. Yeah. So it's, it's totally true. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's starting to shift, which is nice. Like, no, at least mainstream wise, I think the whole badge of honor of saying, oh, I only sleep four hours a day uh, is, is out the window at this point, <laughs> or maybe there's still some people that, that buy into that, but at least that's a good sign in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I think people are starting to realize that they like, what's the point of all this work if you're not enjoying life? Um, you yeah. know, to me, it's like, that is the most finding that balance of, you know, enjoying what you do and, and, hopefully you you're doing something that you love like I think all of us are really meant to be here for a purpose and you know it doesn't feel like work if you're doing what you love and I I value the fact that I'm I really enjoy what I do and I'm seeing that a lot of people don't have that same Mm -hmm. that you know same experience and um to me I feel like it's all about digging and having the experience to find out what it is that you want to do and and how to serve the world and and to me that's the most fulfillment like being able to make a difference work doing it you know work and you know support your family and also enjoy what you do so yeah I agree with you on that and I mean I'm in that place too right now where you know even before I thought I was doing something that was is really lighting me up and in retrospect now being in this like it's just they're miles apart um but kind of like your story where you know something like one door would open and then then the path would be revealed and it's then there's another set of doors and i think like for for people that are listening that feel like a they don't know or for sure know that they're not there it's like it it it's going through the process it's not like just tomorrow oh this is what i'm meant to do you know, it's, it's taking enjoyment as well in the process and, and, and feeling it out. And because and, how else do you know, right? Yeah, I agree. I think it starts with finding out the things that give you joy, like starting one of the homeworks I give my patients, you're talking about homeworks is I help, I have them write, especially my, the people that come with like anxiety, depression, you have to bring more joy into your life. So joy affects mm. the heart. So I tell them to write a list of 20 things that give them joy. And it can be something very little as like, I like to drink a cup of Earl Grey tea in the morning with milk or I watch the sunrise. And I think it starts with just like, well, what, what actually gives me joy? Like reflecting in that. Um, And then like, that's like a, a, a good way to start, I think. And then you start to see like how, what do you want your life to look like? You know, what, how, and then, you know, I was always taught, I was raised that like, you find your passion first and you find a way to make money doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. 
And you may have to work a side job, you know, in the beginning anyway, but you want to just get closer and closer. That's how you can get closer and closer is really just um, looking at the things that do give you the most joy and trying to include more and more of that every day in your life. Well, the thing I like about that list as well is that, well, A, it helps with what we're what we're discussing, but it's also a really nice list to know that you can always turn to when like kind of shit hits the fan in life in general, right? You know that you have this list that, you know, no matter how upset you may be or whatever's happening, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to default to this thing. Cause I know it's going to put a smile on my face type thing. It's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. And I agreed. And also what you don't realize, like people might be doing these things every day, but it's in their subconscious. They're not actually like mindfully enjoying it. So when you write it down and then you're looking at, and then I tell them to like post it, you know, put it somewhere they see it all the time. You're actually bringing it into your subconscious and like, you know, I, I think people have seen studies about being grateful um, brings yeah. more into your life. So the same thing, like it's a similar concept where you're taking it from your subconscious and making it into your subconscious reality and seeing like, oh, I am doing all these things that give me joy. Like, wow, like how lucky am I? I get to drink a cup of Earl Grey tea or watch sure. the sunrise or, you know, it's it's a lot about perspective too. Totally. Well, let's stay on that theme, just given the time we're in, you know, pandemic and racism and like there's the world is incredibly heavy right now. I'm just curious uh, for you personally, you being obviously very experienced in all these different modalities, like what's working for you or what are your non-negotiables lately? Non-negotiables are meditation, uh, gratitude list. Hold on, meditation. What's that look like for you? Sorry, I get well, I, practical with this. <laughs> sure. Um, I actually practice um kundalini kundalini yoga, which is actually not Chinese medicine, but um it is um Ayurvedic medicine. Yeah. And, um it's a type of meditation that there's a lot of movement involved, movement, postures and breath and chanting. Um you can actually do um you can have, they call them kriyas. It's like a set of a meditation. You could do different meditations for different things. Like the one that I'm currently on is it's called master your domain. And the idea is that, um, you create your reality. Um, and what happens is if you're, if you're, if so meditation really like clears your mind and these specific meditations, have different chants that allow um, the brain to really just kind of restructure, (laughs) you know, you can restructure the, the emotional aspects of what's going on. So, um, so yeah, so I'm doing Kundalini yoga. That's one of my non-negotiables. The next one is I like to, I like, I write a gratitude list. So every morning I'll talk about the things that, um, you know, I'm grateful for and like what it is that I want to, like one step towards my bigger goal of, you know, uh, so I have a lot of different things, you know, as a, so, um, that's a non-negotiable, I guess the other is like, um, every, at least once a week, I need to kind of reflect on what happened with the week and like how how to move forward with it. Um, that one's been a game changer for me. I, I call them like PhD Fridays. They're just, <laughs> you know, 30 to 40 minutes now. But I mean, you can start obviously sh- shorter. But and for me, they're just three questions like, what did I learn this week? 
what would I've changed this week and what was awesome about this week? And I am just blown away every week how much I've learned about myself. Like, yeah. you know, how many books I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought on self-development <laughs> just had I started that, you know, years ago. Yeah. It's powerful. That's awesome. You know, you were saying about how I feel like the way that we can make the biggest change in the world is really how we're taking care of ourselves because I think the problem is that everybody has this baggage that they're throwing onto everyone else. But if we're taking responsibility yeah. for our own baggage, our own emotional triggers, if we're really reflecting in, like, how could I do this different or how can I change or, or I did this good? Like, I think if we all take responsibility for ourselves, like we can make the bigger change and, and, you know, come from a place of like emotional responsibility instead of, um, and compassion instead mm -hmm. of blaming or um, because everybody is is so different and unique and they come from different experiences and who are we to um, blame or criticize others when we haven't walked in their shoes <laughs> so so true <laughs> so true well and, I, and it also you know as you're saying that there's a bit of a sense of ease as well that now the weight of the world is also not on my shoulders like focus on you focus on you first right focus on the day first the hour first the moment like whatever you know it doesn't feel as grandiose yeah I agreed you just want to start with one foot and forward one foot in front of the other and yeah. take one and you know it is true like this is one of the things that I talk about is self-care, um, like especially as a mother um, or, you know, as a, you know, family owner, like you're constant, somebody that's, you know, a leader for my team um, who speaks out, like if you're not taking care of yourself, like how can you help others? Like, so, and yeah. the same, you know, everybody always referenced the, the plane and putting on your oxygen mask. It really is true. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. So, you have to, you know, self-care with reflection, with talking about, you know, how you're feeling and, and you don't need to see a therapist for those things. Like you said, journaling is, is a huge part of reflecting. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. That might be the title of this one. <laughs> I love <laughs> right. that. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, I want to respect your time, but I definitely have to get your journaling prompts. If there are a few questions that circulate your life that, either on a, I mean, you left a few of them, obviously gratitude lists and imagine, um, but anything that comes to mind that you find helpful throughout your years to, to journal or reflect on. Sure. Um, so how can I best use my gifts to serve others during this time hmm. is one of them. Um, how can I be the most efficient with what I'm doing? And um, what do I want my life to look like right now? Ooh, that's a powerful one. <laughs> Love it. Last question for you. When you close your eyes, put everything aside, what truly makes you smile each day? I love it when somebody, one of my patients or whoever, whoever it is, I love it when I influence other people's lives. I feel like that is the biggest, it's the best gift in the world. It's more than money could ever give is just knowing that I've contributed in, even into a small part of helping somebody else's life in a positive way. 
that's what makes me smile. Yeah, I mean that's making me smile right now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for first taking the time to chat and also just provide a little bit more perspective on Chinese medicine in general and everything that you're working on. But then just I think even bigger, just you de- dedicating uh, your world and your energy to, well, exactly how you just sum this up, essentially help others um, be the best they can be uh, from a total health perspective. So thank you so much for that. Mark, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.